Hello, my name is Curtis Merriweather Jr. You are listening to the Business Theologist Podcast. This podcast is for new and seasoned business professionals looking to uncover knowledge gems. This podcast is unlike other business podcasts because we endeavor to create a synergistic relationship between business, management, scholarship, and theology. In addition to being an executive leader, I am also a doctoral candidate. The insights shared on this podcast will give you an edge over the competition. Whether you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, or executive leader, or someone looking to change careers, I invite you to travel along this learning journey with me. Buckle up and let's get ready for the ride. Let's go. Well, welcome, guys. We have another exciting show for you to get today. I am bringing back a good friend of mine, Mr. Michael Richard Colley. You guys remember him from a few episodes ago. Just a, a brief reminder, Michael Colley, doctor, Dr. Michael Colley, because Michael already has a doctorate already. As you guys may remember, he's in a doctoral program with me. He's in the executive doctoral program, but I'm just going to give you guys a brief reminder of who he is. Um, Dr. Michael Cawley is a performance coaching program director. He works alongside other directors concerning recruitment, advertising, interviewing, scheduling, programming, and communicating with other faculty fellows concerning course content and students. Now, Michael is uniquely positioned because not only is he pursuing an executive doctoral program, but he also is a, an instructor at another school. I'm not going to call his school name because I did not ask him for his permission prior to disclosing that information. But he's self-described as a curious learner, passionate to help. Carly brings over 15 years of experience as a turnaround and startup leader and eight years in academia. As a practitioner scholar or scholar practitioner, Colleague is also principal of Gold Design LLC, an organizational behavior and executive coaching firm, certified as an executive coach with the Huston Institute for Coaching and the International Coach Federation. Colleague works internationally and has worked with leaders at Full Plate Living, HCA, Health Trust, Lowe's, Nashville Metro Schools, Nissan, Ryder, the SESAC. The state of Tennessee, the hospitality industry, local business, nonprofits, NGOs, and his research includes, I'll let Carly talk to you about his research, but he's currently writing an idea of becoming within the frame of Warren Bennis on becoming a leader. He enjoys backpacking with his wife, two daughters, and dog Max. Welcome, Michael Colley. Thank you, Curtis. I'm glad to be with you again. Man, it's always, always good to talk to you. Um, you know, Michael and I, for those who may not know, Michael and I are on an executive doctoral journey together, and he's just a tremendous partner in this process. We have we have teamed up on a couple of our projects together. Our research overlaps, and Michael's just a pleasure to be around. So every time I get an opportunity to talk to him, whether on podcasts or face-to-face or lately Zoom, he's just always a pleasure to talk to. How you doing today, Michael? Well, I'm doing good, Curtis. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, I'm excited about your podcast, and uh, I am excited about how you want to bring these worlds of theology and business together. And I think I said that the last time I was on, and and I continue to be, and, and because it's it's really needed, and uh, because I think 
for many people. Um, it's something that I found in my in my research, and you said you'd give me a chance to chat about it, so I'll just mention it briefly. Is is that I currently study uh, decision making of healthcare providers in the electronic medical record. So how do they make decisions within themselves, and how do they relay those decisions? into the standardization of EMR. And that's where our research interests are similar. And so it's fun to be on this journey together. And, you know, I, I came to CASE because I, I wanted to figure out um, the, the question that really got me going and, you know, was how is it that when leaders change or, you know, whether they're senior level or mid-level, oftentimes mid-level, right? Because if they were senior, it may be a little easier, but, you know, right. mid-level or, or, or uh, when they change, whether it's just reading a book or going on a retreat uh, and then they a continuing education, they come back, <clears throat> they start leading differently. And yet the organization says, you know what? We're glad we were able to provide that to you. We really liked how you were doing things. Just go back to what you were doing before because you were successful. And and so I, I, experiencing that myself, um, I came to case to figure out, is it possible for an organization to change as a result of the people in the organization changing? And that's a that's that's too big. That's too big of a topic, you know, for I mean, that's a whole lifetime that could be two lifetimes of research. Right. So right. so right now it's been whittled down to uh, the interpersonal decision making of healthcare providers and how they translate their decisions into the electronic medical record. And, but, you know, it, it got me thinking um, as I was preparing for our time together today, as we, we were preparing about it and talking about it, about the opportunity for leaders to take a step away in retreat. Uh, and retreat can include a couple things. I, you know, today I'd like to share a couple examples from my life that are maybe more, you know, really retreat focused. Um, and then, and then what does that provide for the leader, both positive and, and challenges that it creates as a result? This is amazing. You know, when we were kicking around topic ideas and you talked about retreat, um, I call it recharging, you know, whatever term you want to use, it is so critical, so critical. Um, and I didn't realize, I think until I got to case, how important the role of retreat is. So I know you do a lot of coaching to a lot of high level executives from various industries. So kind of what caused you to arrive at even kind of doing an analysis of retreat? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, for me, it came out of my own experience. I, uh, you know, my first career, I was a pastor. I think we talked about that right. the first time. And I found a, a, a problem. Basically, churches weren't reaching young people where I lived in this small town in the Pacific Northwest. And I wanted to try to figure out how to um, how to help. Uh, and, and so I entered a doctoral program and moved my family to Texas. And we started a church out of a hotel room. You know, we, we had funding, but we did not have people. And, uh, and so we moved into a hotel, our house was being built and, you know, fast forward, um, a year on that journey, 
uh, things started happening. Things started popping. I, I uh, created an alliance uh, with uh, a merchants association in town and we started, I started helping them and, you know, they started, um, you know, reciprocating support for the church. And uh, anyway, our church ended up opening up a, a little coffee shop where we taught people to pray through art, uh, okay. through painting and through silence. And, and, and but that came after. So uh, after my first retreat. And so I, you know, we moved into this hotel. I started, you know, uh, getting to know people, trying to find out um, who would be interested in joining a, a church like I envisioned this church to be, which was one that um, was something that, you know, teenagers and people in their 20s, and this was almost 20 years ago that I was doing this, oh. um, wanted to be a part of. And I guess 15, 15 years ago, no, even longer. So it's it's been it's been a minute. And uh, so um, and, and you, you know, when you're starting something from scratch, right, where you're fundraising, you are trying to get people. It's this, you know, a church is a business. So right. you have to get you have to have revenue and you have to have customers right. uh, in order for it to get off the ground. And so that that's a lot. That's a lot of work. And uh, it wears you out. And what I found, and I was a lot younger, I was in my late 20s, but what I found is that I could, while I was making progress, I got to a point where I was just tired. I get it. And I, and I knew that I, like some of my clarity and my insight, and I was losing some of that because I was just so tired. Mm. Um, so in, in May of 2007, I happened to be attending a class, uh, in Michigan and someone came and talked to us and it was in my, uh, doctor of ministry program. Someone came and talked to us about a retreat center and the idea of retreat and what that has done for, uh, leaders throughout, you know, the last 2000 years. Uh, longer than that, but two thousand years in terms of Christian history, right? And uh, and and she ran a retreat center, and so you know, I thought, well, I'm I'm here over the weekend. I don't have any plans. Let me just see if I can go try this out because I okay. I need some rest. Okay. And so I I talked. I caught her at at the break. I said, you know, hello. Uh, Introduce myself wondering if you have any availability at your center this weekend. And she said, you know, we just had a cabin open up. And, uh, and I mean, it, it was, it was rustic, uh, beautiful, you know, really nice. Um, but, uh, let me just kind of stop there in case you have questions, then I'll kind of describe it. Yeah, no, 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 this is, this is amazing. Cause you know, oftentimes we talk about recharging and we just take a vacation. So no, no, please continue. Tell me about the retreat center and what made it different from just going on vacation. Yeah, sure. So what made it different from going on vacation is that um, I was going to be by myself in a cabin without electricity, no internet access in the Northwoods of Michigan for um, 30 hours of silence and solitude. Wow. Now, okay, so essentially that's a full... Like that's a, that's a day and a third. Right. So, um, and like to me, when I, when I made the decision, like it sounded really good because I was really tired. Right. 
and and the, but then when I went up to her and talked with her, she said, "Yeah, I have this little tiny cabin." Um, she had these little cabins, and there was a retreat house. But you would walk like a mile away from the retreat house, and she just gave you directions. But you had to go into the woods, and I mean, there were paths, but there weren't signs. And she told you where to go, but you had to find it, you know. And and then you would go into it. And uh, in May in Michigan, it's still cold, right? So there was a wood stove. I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but at that point in my life, I, I'd never lit a wood stove, you know, and I'd always, <laughs> I'd read in books and stuff, if you don't light it right, you could get carbon monoxide po poisoning. I'm laughing because in my little office that I'm in now, I, I have a wood stove now. So I've learned how to operate one. But back then, I didn't know anything. So I didn't even turn it on. I was afraid I'd like carbon monoxide, like poison myself, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I, I threw a quilt saw in the bed. So I, and, and, you know, water was trucked in on like a little ATV, you know, no plumbing. Um, well, I think there was an outhouse. Um, so, so I, so I, 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 I had a friend, I didn't have a car cause I just, uh, flown to the location and then, um, uh, gotten a ride from the airport. And so a friend of mine took me, dropped me off and, uh, but what it was kind of, for me, it was a little bit, um, I don't know if scary was the right word because I wasn't afraid, but it was just the idea of being by myself. It, so you, ha I had to commit that I would be by myself okay. and I had to commit that I would be quiet, that I would be silent. And that was really hard. Uh, that made me, that made me uh, not scared, but uncomfortable. Wow. You know? so I'm assuming no TV either. Oh, no TV, no electricity, you know, so no TV, wow. um, you know, that was before it was 2007. So the iPhone had just come out and I think I had, I didn't have an iPhone a few until a few years later. I think I had, I think I had a Blackberry, but back then, you know, there wasn't like you, like uh, having a smartphone and having the internet in your pocket, that wasn't really a thing yet. I guess it right. was on a Blackberry, but it, you weren't going to get Netflix on it. You know no. what I mean? So, Absolutely. so, uh, so, so it really was, it was easy to put that away a lot easier than it would be today. Right. Um, and so, and, and so I got there and, uh, I met with her and so she was, um, she owned the retreat center and she was also a spiritual director, okay. her spiritual director. This was near, uh, Notre Dame okay. and her spiritual director, had been was a nun at Notre Dame and she'd been trained by her and and uh and that was all of this was new to me and I've I've learned some since then but uh, all of this was new so I get there and we sit down and uh and she says okay this is your schedule and I just want to start out by talking to you and tell, telling you or finding out from you why you're here and um and so I started sharing with her, you know, about working to start the church, you know, about my family. My wife and I had our, our first daughter was, had just turned, uh, she was 18 months old. So still, you know, a young father, my second daughter hadn't been born. And, you know, so to be a young father starting a business, which was the church, it's a business. Right. And, and I was tired. And I just started telling her how tired I was. And, and I thought, you know, she'd be, um, I mean, she was kind, but she was firm, you know, yeah. it, and I could tell that this wasn't going to be like, 
I didn't, I took, I came to take action. I wasn't coming just to get rest. If that, if that makes sense, no, like I was there sense. for a purpose, you know, I was there for a purpose. And, uh, so she gave me a book to read, gave me an assignment to read, a journaling exercise. I'm not much of a journaler. So that, that was kind of, you know, that was another thing that, you know, but it was really there for a purpose. And so then I, and then she, and then after that, you know, um, then she showed me this little cookie jar that she had that was a little monk, like a little ceramic monk. Mm-hmm. And it said, thou shalt steal. So like you're supposed to steal the cookies. That made me feel pretty good. I could eat as many <laughs> cookies as I wanted. Well, yeah. And then I headed out and, uh, yeah. That was okay. So, okay. Let me make sure I backtrack, make sure the listeners caught this. So in your retreat, you basically were in an isolated location for about 30 hours. None of the basic necessities. That's, that's, I can't say it that way. None of the conveniences that we're accustomed to. So um, you had you had your wood-burning fireplace. There was no internet, probably no phone. No because phone. You had your phone with you, but you couldn't take your phone up. Yeah, I think I turned it off. Or Yeah, I, I had to make a commitment to not messing with it. Got yeah. it. So after this experience, and of course, you know, we didn't have some of the, the technologies that we have today, like you mentioned. So, you know, you didn't have Hulu on your phone or Netflix or YouTube or whatever your favorite way to consume content is. You didn't have those. So it was a little easier. But after the 30 hours was over, what was your takeaway in terms of did you feel refreshed? I did. I felt rested. It was really interesting. So I had um, I I had a, an experience that. Uh, I've never, I don't know that I've ever really talked about it publicly. Um, okay. I mean, I've talked about it kind of in, you know, private settings or um, in a church setting, but, okay. uh, but I, and I don't mind sharing. So I, you know, it was in the night in the Northwoods, it gets still gets cold in Michigan during that time. And, and um, I had, I had these quilts, didn't have the wood stove. Um, but then during the night I woke up, and I was doing the exercises and doing a lot of, you know, praying a lot. Um, I was telling God that I was tired. Um, and during the night I felt like the, I felt this very, this intense warmth wow. in the cabin. And, uh, and I woke up, you know, cause I'd been cold mm-hmm. and, and then I could tell that, um, that there was that, that God's presence was there. Yeah. And I just relaxed mm-hmm. um, and I just, and I didn't try to grab anything or take anything from it. I just allowed myself to be present as well. Right. And, and then I fell asleep next morning, you know, after uh, my time was over um, about noon, I think I got up and walked back to the retreat house and um, went to the guest bathroom there to get cleaned up and, and, uh, I remember looking in the mirror and I remember looking like I was refreshed. Um, like it, like my physical appearance had changed somewhat. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that mm-hmm. sounds like there, you know, there's mystery to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what's, what's most interesting, and it was a wonderful experience. What was most meaningful to me is that following that experience was, um, so the the next 18 months were the most productive that I had been as a leader 
to that point in my leadership. Everything, everything that I had been working hard for came together because, um, you know, I, I believe there's providence in it, but I also believe because of the time that I took away, I was able to get clarity of thought so that I was able to get out of this planning mode and start really mm. taking action. And, and for me, that's what the importance of retreat was for me is retreat was kind of this pivotal point where you're, you're setting plans in place, you're taking actions, but then when you step back, you can consolidate what you've done and you get clarity on the bigger actions to take and maybe even some courage so that you can really start taking the actions that start to lead to payoff for wow. you and your organization. That's really powerful. You know, even, and I, and I can find a lot of what you did similar to my own life. Now I may have not went to an actual retreat facility, but when I'm in business and I'm faced with difficult situations and I just don't have the answer, um, there's often, I live in the Southeast near the coast, um, I near, near bodies of water, whether I'm, whether I'm in South Carolina or if I'm in Georgia at the particular time. Um, so I'm normally able to get to a body of water relatively easily, um, whether it's a lake or something, ocean. Um, wow. That's amazing because in times of difficulty, I often try to get to a quiet place, maybe not 30 hours in a secluded environment, but I try to get quiet, um, leave my phone and try to really hear, you know, inner direction, you know, call it God, call it the Holy Spirit, call it whatever you want, inner, you know, gut feeling, tuition, intuition, you know, people call it a variety of different things. And I go through a very similar process, especially when the situation is bigger than I, you know, when I've exhausted all of the intellect, all of the best practices, the lessons learned, and sometimes that's not enough. You know, I normally seek isolation as well. So it's amazing how how maybe the path to what you do and what I have done even and I'll even say I don't think I was even deliberate I think I just stumbled across something but now that I'm hearing you talk about these actual retreat locations that are designed for that I had an aha moment like wow that's 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 pretty amazing so whether we do it organically or inorganically um kind of how we put ourselves in positions to hear um get direction I think that's pretty amazing. Wow. That's amazing. That that's an eye opener for me today. That maybe I need to do that more. But you said that you said that after you did it, you probably had some the best leadership journey that you've ever had at that point for the next 18 months. That's that's amazing. Yeah, the the most most productive to that point in my, you know, leadership that I had been um so it really opened up that that step and it was a very relatively short amount of time, you know, um, and that opened up a lot of, a lot of forward momentum. Right. Well, that's amazing. And I think, you know, I think it brings a lot of value because I think often, especially today, our worlds are so noisy, you know, with the demands, you know, we're in the doctoral programs so where you get the demands of doctor education, your husbands, we're uh, fathers, then we have our, you know, own personal imposter syndromes and everything else that comes with just doing what we do and, you know, just getting isolated, retreating is, oh man, that's amazing. That's amazing. I wasn't expecting to get that epiphany today, but, I, but I'm appreciative of that. 
Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I knew we were going to talk about retreat, but I had just a very powerful moment when you were sharing that story and seeing that it may be something I may need in my own personal life, may need to be more deliberate in. Because, you know, we spend a lot of time in classes going back and forth talking about electronic health records and decision making and innovation and interpersonal communications. Um, but wow. And, I, and I'll say, go ahead. What was you going to say? Well, I was just going to say it doesn't have to be long, you know, um, like I, you know, I have a, a Harley Davidson and I live right. I live in Nashville. So I and I live my house is just three miles from the Natchez Trace Parkway. Uh, that goes from, you know, Nashville all the way down to Mississippi. And I find, you know, if I just hop on my bike, my motorcycle and uh, jump, jump on the trace and just, you know, take off, that can be a retreat or on my bicycle as well. You know, um, wow. that that can be, a re- you know, a lot of uh, strenuous physical activity can be a retreat mm-hmm. and, and you can design it on your own, you know, going to a body of water. Uh, with your phone not with you, that's that's phenomenal, you know. And and if people don't live near a body of water, I'm sure there's, you know, they could go to a mountain or, um, you know, there may be a place in the city. Um, right. Even cool. even a gallery, you know, could be helpful. You know, I also and I know this is going to sound cliche, but I feel like I get best direction. Of course, we haven't been flying lately as a result of COVID nineteen. And uh, I'm not thrilled to sit in a, sit in a mask for hours upon hours to travel um, in a closed container. So I ha- that's another reason why I haven't personally traveled a lot. Um, but I find a lot of clarity up in the sky. You know, you're on a plane, whether, you know, um, your favorite commercial carrier and you're 30,000 uh, feet up in the air. And, you know, it's you and I love the window seat and, you know, look out the window and just, you know, kind of get direction. And I guess that may be a form of retreat. I guess what you've done for me today is you've reframed retreat for me. It's not always having to quote unquote escape. Cause sometimes we take vacation and I feel like sometimes I'm more tired from the vacation <laughs> and you need a vacation from the vacation. Cause I like to sit back and kind of relax. And, 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 and my wife wants to run around and do all these things and shop and you like do. So you get back and you need the vacation from the vacation. But what we actually may need sometimes is just retreat. Wow. And it's something that you could just put on your calendar for four hours, you know, for what time is good for you, you know, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon or even late at night, you know, for four hours that works for you quarterly. Right. You know, I also kind of off topic, but I also, I think, find retreat in um, massages. You know, it's a massage parlor I go to. They play this real kind of zen-like music, and I fall asleep <laughs> every time. <laughs> but, you know, when I wake up, I'm so refreshed and kind of like uh, awakened and very much more self-directed. And typically when I do those, they're typically on Fridays, you know, after a long week. I'll get a massage, and I'll kind of wind down. And, you know, those are the days where you find yourself kind of just driving in silence because you don't want to kind of mess up. The, uh, the vibe that you have going on. So, wow, yeah, you, you've kind of opened up the aperture for me today in terms of how to think about retreat and how those moments that I've gotten retreat, even though I wasn't calling it that at that time, 
those are the moments that I think I got most clarity. Yeah, that was that was amazing. I'm glad you shared this. Because I think after today's conversation, I have I'm going to make some personal decisions to do more retreating, to get more clarity. Um, and I and I have I was doing it even though I wasn't calling it that. Um, especially when I'm on the verge of big decisions or life's just really noisy. Wow. You know, um, again, you talked about exercise. I went and got a, a nice shiny MBA. And after that experience, I think one of the biggest takeaways I, I learned was the importance of self-care. You know, we had a whole class, I think it was our leadership course where the instructor devoted a lot of time. He was a White House, former White House fellow, very accomplished gentleman. And he spent a lot of time talking about the importance of diet and exercise due to the stress. Uh, but this is an area that I don't think we focused on. We focused, I mean, I think the diet exercise is the obvious one, but also the, especially in this mental health crazed environment we're in, where everyone is you know, very conscious of what's going on mentally. I think this is another gem that we haven't given enough attention to. What do you think? I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, you mentioned all of the noise around us. And I, I actually teach a class on this at the university where I'm a professor. And, uh, and I, we, we talk about visual noise. Visual um, noise. Yeah. Plain. Well, in our life, uh, I am personally, I am much more tied to the visual noise on my phone than I am to the distraction of listening to the radio when I'm in the car, right? Uh, or podcasts or, yeah. you know, you name it. But uh, the visual, like my life is full of visual noise. In fact, you know, way of looking at this is if you have this screen time uh, where it tells you on Sunday, it'll tell me how many hours of screen time I've had. You know, I, I don't remember how, I think I set it up when I set up my kids and I thought, you know what, this would be good for me to track too. Well, I mean, a lot of that screen time is work, and a lot of it is also me filling my life with visual noise um, because of distraction um, or busyness, and those things are actually quite similar in that they disconnect us uh, from um, maybe who we were before we started getting success and before, we, you know... Um, and, and then, and then, so paying attention, learning to pay attention to not only the, when we say noise, not only audio noise, but also the visual noise that I, that I allow into my life, that I um, engage in. And it's not bad, right? It's, we're not talking about good and bad. We're just talking about our life in the early part of the 21st century, that with all of our wonderful technologies, it's created a lot of distraction and distraction uh, is distracting <laughs> right. and, and it can distract us from taking action in the areas of our life that are going to help us succeed. Well, you know, that's, that's amazing. That's this, this is, this is a conversation that I haven't heard often enough and I must take it a step further. You know, we're in a very stringent learning environment. And I find that learning sometimes, and I'm gonna, what I'm going to say is going to sound like an oxymoron, but learning sometimes can be distracting because it gets your mind running and you can, I find myself sometimes at two o'clock in the morning thinking about something I learned and how I can apply it or what I can do or what modifications did I make to my paper based on what I learned. And so, yeah, it goes back to 
sometimes even things that are quote unquote good for us, like everyone would agree that learning and knowledge and education is important, regardless of whether you do it in a traditional or unconventional setting, but it can sometimes be a distraction as well. Yeah. And, and I find that, uh, you know, within the last week, um, in this program, we've had zoom, um, yes. you know, once, once a month for, you know, like Wednesday through Saturday, Thursday through Saturday. But with the way that I've arranged this semester, I now I'm on zoom 12 hours every week. And, uh, two of those are five hour sessions back to back days of the week. And, right. and I found myself not sleeping well after those long sessions and they, they go, you know, into the early evening. And I, but I think I'm going to have to, and I was telling my wife this over the weekend, I'm going to have to start scheduling some exercise after I have, I'm on those sessions just because like, I'm then my mind, like you, my mind starts going, I think, okay, how am I going to apply this? How am I going to do that? Right. And thinking all the time isn't good for me. Like I need some time where I'm just present with myself and in some type of physical activity. Right. No, mental breaks are necessary. I mean, even um, because we had a, you know, we're kind of on this journey together. We had class Thursday. We had class Friday. I did a healthcare policy class on Saturday. And yesterday I, I did do some reading last night. Um, Yesterday was the Super Bowl, of course. So I made a, I made it a point to kind of give myself a mental break. I'm more aware now that I need mental breaks, whether it's learning, whether it's things at work. And I am having to force myself because I'm one of those people who always is on. <laughs> so I'm having to now force myself to take mental breaks. But as you know, especially with some of the things we have going on this semester, um, we have very busy schedules this semester. We kind of knew that, um, but it's like always something to do. So then when I do make my take, quote unquote, force myself to take the mental break, I sometimes feel guilty. Like I should be doing X or I should be doing Y, but I need to spend time with my, my, my daughter or my son or my wife. And so, you know, dealing with the balance coupled with making sure you get the mental um, break and kind of that mini retreat that you need. Sometimes just hanging out with friends and family can, can give you that. So yeah, that's, that's a valid point. And I noticed that my sleep quality has been affected as a result of the new load we have as well too. But yeah, wow. But then the, how, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I just wonder how many other people have, are being impacted by this and have they noticed it? That's all I was going to say. What were you going to say? That's a great question. Um, I was going to say that I think what's important is you know, we're on this uh, um, really, you know, hitting it hard right now, but it's only for the next three months or so. And so I think a, a good thing for me um, and something that I, my wife and I did last summer um, after our first semester was we just went to the beach, just the two of us for five, five nights, you know, and uh, to the point to where I was, had become so rested that I was tired of resting and ready to get back to it. You know, after five nights of just, you know, chilling on the beach. Right. And, um, and I, and I think, you know, I think that's a, how retreat can be used um, is also kind of like an incentive. And I've never talked to any spiritual directors. I'm not a spiritual director, so I don't know, but, you know, but like to set it up. Right. So yeah, you're going to push real hard. 
but then you know that you have this on the agenda. And yeah, there, there could be vacation, but there could also be time that is more purposeful for restoration, right? Because vacation, we think about fun and I'm all about vacation, but then there's also times where planning time that is purposefully um, reflective, purposefully um, uh, purposeful planning, I think Mm -hmm. can also kind of reinvigorate some of what is, is spent when we have really challenging and busy times. Right. No, you know, Kina has made me really, and, and maybe I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, as you know, so we didn't grow up. I didn't grow up near the ocean and I lived in Charleston, South Carolina, primarily for quite some time. And she made me realize and appreciate the importance of the beach. I saw for a long time, and I'm, I'm going to say something maybe a little embarrassing. For a long time, I didn't see the importance of going to the beach. Why do people just kind of pull up on the beach with the lawn chair? This is what I, this is the younger me. Why, why would you do that? That's just not a good use of your time. But as I get older, I now understand the, the refreshing that comes from sitting on the water, sitting near the water, hearing the waves, um, this calmness comes on you, feeling the breeze, kind of, you know, I'm not a, one of those grounding guys. I'm not one of the grounding guys, but you know, it's something about walking on the beach with your shoes off and kind of feeling the sand underneath your feet. And I didn't think, you know, I would ever say anything like this, especially if you kind of go back and look at the younger me, but now I really have a different appreciation for the beach and Kena wants to get away on vacation. Um, which I I'm still trying to figure out how we're going to make this happen, by the way, um, for Valentine's day week. Um, but I, I get it. She's like, let's go to some water. Uh, let's get, let's go, let's go near some water where it's warm. And I understand it now. And I think this conversation kind of brought it full circle for me and just shows the transformation I personally went through in my life and this need for retreat and refreshment. So I you think it's a need we all have. Oh, go ahead. No, no, yeah, I was going to say, you made me do some self-evaluation today. Go ahead. You say you think it's a need we all have. Yeah, I do. And, you know, even even in talking with you about it today, I can recognize in my life right now that it's been a while, yeah. you know, and uh, and that's a good that, you know, that's uh, that's positive. Normally, this time every year we've uh, in our family rhythms, we've gone to Florida for a week and, uh, you know, with uh, some changes in our life, our daughter starting a new school, which has been wonderful for her. Um, but we don't have, we've lost some of that flexibility and, uh, you know, so we're not, we're going to miss that trip. And, uh, and I've kind of been, you know, missing it, you know, Um, you know, not only because it's cold and cloudy in Tennessee and rainy, uh, but also just because it's, because when you're tired, that's your body telling you it's time to do something different. It's time to take a little bit of a break. Right. 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 But you know, I think the media wants us to believe that it's completely acceptable and normal to work 12 hour days as an entrepreneur, 16 hour days, you know, never a day off hustle hard, grind, you know, whatever, whatever words you want to use. Thank God it's Monday. You know, all of these cliches and things that fill the airways from, especially from an entrepreneurial perspective of there's always something to do. 
and I think, you know, now that I kind of thinking about it from this lens, I think some of that has led to the mental health crisis that we have in this country. And I'm all for hard work, so I'm not saying to minimize it, but no one is equally talking about the importance of refreshment and retreat and mental clarity and health mental breaks. So I think that needs to be a part of the conversation as well, because you're seeing this work now more than we've ever worked. Um, we're making probably more as a society than we've ever made, but maybe at the expense of our mental health. Yeah. Mental health, spiritual health. I think those are connected. Yes, I believe so. I do. I do. This is this has been a good conversation for me today, Michael. Uh, and I, I'm really appreciative because you've in this conversation, you've given me some uh, personal self-reflection and maybe some things I need to change in my own personal life to be the best version of me that I can be. And that's really the reason why I started this podcast was to hopefully drop clues to learn more myself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like you, we're both very accomplished, um, but it's always something we can do to sharpen the knife in the tool, in the tool chest. And this might be one of them. I believe, I believe you gave me a discovery or reintroduction today of some things that I need to go back and reevaluate in my own personal life. So for that, this conversation for me has been, um, I believe, a game changer. And I think I'm going to implement some personal things in my life as a result of this conversation. So I'm super thankful that we had this conversation. Well, wow. thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. And I always enjoy talking with you. This was super reflective. And this, this may be one of those days I can go and mark on my calendar and say, yep, how have you life changed that day? Because you have given me some gems to think about and reconsider and contemplate to better do a better job of creating quote unquote balance in my life. And I'm appreciative. I'm almost at a loss of words right now. <laughs> so thank you for that. But this has been a transformational conversation for me personally. But you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I like, um, I hang out with Michael every chance I get because Michael is the only guy that I know that, um, you know, will start quoting Bonhoeffer and Churchman <laughs> and Max Weber and tie it back into some management principle or lesson that we're discussing or healthcare. And I just appreciate the philosophical um, bent that you bring to things. It makes me think deeper. Thank you. Wow. Well, my God. I was going to talk to you longer, but I think I just need a, like a, a pause. So, you know, I'm going to conclude this conversation unless there's something else that you want to drop on us today. This was a short one, but I think very impactful. Any closing words you have, Michael? Uh, I think the only closing word that I would have is um, it's necessary to step back in order to take deep action. And so if you are struggling to stop, maybe you need to consider whether you're ready to take the next step to, for growth. Wow. Wow. I have nothing else to say, Michael. <laughs> this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I personally know that you're very busy. Um, and I'm glad that we had this conversation today. Uh, there, I'll, I'm going to put Michael's 
Um, the information he allows me to share will be in the, in the show notes. Um, I would advise you at a minimum to follow Michael on LinkedIn. And he's doing some cutting edge research, especially within the healthcare sector. So if you are a clinician or non-clinician or healthcare administrator, I would advise you to follow his work. He's getting ready to publish a series of material over the coming months. Um, and I believe he's going to be a, um, a scholar to watch, especially within the healthcare sector. So I'm going to close out this episode. And until next time, you guys have a great day. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Theologist podcast. Please share, subscribe, and rate this podcast so others can find us too. If you would like to connect with me, please use the links in the show notes of this episode. Please feel free to connect with me on social media as well. I welcome the opportunity to connect and hear from you. Have a blessed week. Until next time.